Cameron, for those who don't know, I'm part of the campus ministry. Um, Sam's away, he's in Adelaide, helping out people there, so that's why you have me. And um, yeah, today we'll uh, finish off James, which is much short, or it felt kind of short, but so yeah, we're just going to go through it and finish it off, so we'll just start there in uh, James 5, 13 to 20. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Scott. Ooh, lost it. All right. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. All righty. So it's a little interesting passage. It kind of feels a little all over the place, but it seems the central theme is prayer, so that's kind of what we'll go over. So to give a brief summary of I guess James and what we've been looking at in James. Um, it's a very practical book. You know, it's often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And it has quick, sharp points that are really meant to cut to the heart. James has a harsh rebuke for those he's writing to. He challenges them there on their godly wisdom or their lack of godly wisdom, uh, their faith, their double mindedness in prayer, their love for wealth, their arrogance, their lack of control over their tongues, and much more. And hopefully going through these, you've seen yourself in these ways and have stared intently into the mirror of what's really happening in our souls. Because to walk away and not be challenged by these things, well, it tells us two things. Either you weren't listening or you're lying to yourself. <laughs> Either way, you should go back and listen to the podcasts. Just a little plug. You can find them on Spotify. Jordan does a great job with that. So, so I know it was hard to hear in the park. At least I found it hard to hear I was far away. But Sam spoke about being convicted by James, allowing yourself to be convicted, but also needing patience with our repentance. Turning from God or turning from our ways to God ways takes time. It is a seed that is sown and grows fruit over multiple years. And James now transitions into talking about prayer because what helps us stay steadfast and patient and our growth with God. So we'll explore three questions of prayer and how it's meant to keep us steadfast with God. So we'll explore when we pray, why we pray, and how we pray. Let me move this up so I can look up at you. All right, so the first question, when should we pray? And we'll kind of look at the, the first couple verses within what we read. And to put simply, you know, the passage is telling us when we need to pray, all the time. That's a simple answer. When you pray all the time. And as prayer is designed as an intimate way for us to connect and communicate with our God. It's a relationship we always talk about, you know, the classic read your Bible to listen to God and 
to speak, you know, in, or you pray to communicate with God. So it's, it's a constant communication back and forth to develop a relationship. Um, and God desires us and to have this relationship with us. And you see so many times throughout Paul's letters, this isn't Paul's letters, but that when he prays for the churches, he is praying for their understanding and their relationship with God. This relationship is important and is fostered by prayer. But I think, you know, obviously, you know, as we said, if you're reading through James, you should be convicted. You know, we don't always follow this example, you know, prayer, because we easily fall into a flawed thinking that prevents frequency in our prayers with him. And I think this flawed thinking comes from a view of our circumstances. So we'll look at the first circumstance he talks about, or, yeah, that James goes into. Um, and the first one he talks about is suffering. So I feel we've already covered this quite a bit in Ruth and studying Job a little bit as well. Um, but again, very simple message that God always has greater plans with our suffering. You know, he's always encouraging us to look greater and beyond our circumstances. He uses suffering to dig deeper roots with him and teach us how to really fight for our faith. God has much bigger view on suffering in our circumstances than we can really ever understand. And we saw how Naomi and Job prayed in their suffering with God. When we feel our suffering is unjust, we are encouraged to go to God in prayer. God is encouraging us to look beyond our circumstances. So that's one we've already, you know, I feel we've gone over a lot in the church and is, you know, something, you know, we're all suffering in some way or there's a lot of suffering happening. But I think one that we don't really go over much and what he talks about the second circumstances is, is joy. Um, you know, the first question that comes into my mind when thinking through, you know, am I praying, you know, singing songs of praise to God and my joy um, is what brings me joy. Um, you know, I think of it, you know, does it bring me joy when I'm doing well at work or receiving praise from my boss or those around me? Um, you know, is it my relationships are, you know, going well or are happy? Is it, um, I don't know, it could be a bonus. It could be, you know, I play futsal. I get happiness when I score a galazzo, so, which is all the time. But <laughs> Is it doing well in uni? Um, I think, yeah, when asking ourselves those questions, those are the things that bring um, joy to us. It's first, you know, easy to fall into the trap that I'm the one who brings those things. I'm the one who's, in a sense, giving to myself and bringing that joy, which, you know, creates absolutely no desire to pray to God. But I think even if we are praying and thanking God for these, um, for these things in our life, um, it's, they're just as much circumstances that we're praying and thankful for as is suffering. You know, should we be singing praise of, so should we be singing songs of praise to God for, you know, honestly quite materialistic things? And, the, and those are just circumstantial. You know, I think we can take it even a step further. You know, a lot of, I hear a lot of people talk about that we live blessed and joyous lives because we live in Australia. You know, we are a wealthy country with a surplus of food, water, we have a shelter, we have, you know, a government that really takes care of us, except me, I'm international, but, and clothes. <laughs> and we think ourselves blessed for these things, but just as the last example, these are just as much circumstantial. If we took all those things away, all of these, you know, material things we have, are we any less blessed have we any less reason to be joyous with God? The answer, you know, should be no. Regardless of any circumstance, you can trust, you know, that first God has sent his son for your sins. That's the, probably the biggest one. 
He has given us the Bible to understand him better, a spirit to convict and guide us, keep us on the right path, and a church that helps and protects us. Those things should create in us absolute joy. We think too shallowly and invest too much into our circumstances. I would do better in life with another job. I'd be happier in a relationship. And in saying this, I don't want to take away from the fact that circumstances can make life challenging. Um, you know, we obviously talk about that a lot, like in suffering. But um, and you know, the encouragement then is to go and pray to God in those ways as well. But I think. Um, oh, one sec. But it's also worth to honestly sit down and think: When was the last time you prayed with God and just found joy in who He is and the relationship we have with Him? If we see these things in increasing measure and strive to grow in relationship and understanding of our God, we will desire to pray in all circumstances with our Father. So it's, it's meant to increase frequency if we understand and see, you know, in every circumstance and any joy or any suffering, we have every reason to pray with God. So we should pray in all circumstances. Now we'll talk about the why we pray. So in this passage, James is talking about, you know, consistently for the reason why they're praying is, you know, first he discusses physical healing, and then he transitions into spiritual healing. So the simple answer why we pray, we pray for healing. It's meant to paint a parallel, or it's meant to be a parallel, paint a picture, that physical illness functions in the same way as sin works as an illness in our souls. So you have a physical illness, sin also functions as an illness. And he's covering all bases by discussing both physical and spiritual healing. And I think the point we can pull is that you can't self-heal. Um, in both scenarios, the prayers that is um, being provided or healing is from others. Others are praying for you. And it's a very simple point, but easily forgotten. But, you know, we need others to help in the healing process. If you are sick, you need a doctor. But... You also need people around you to take care of you. You need nurses or, you know, the support of family to help you through the healing process. In the same way, our spiritual life is healthy when a doctor, who is Jesus, heals, and those around us help in that healing process. We need those people. And this is important to understand in our whole walk with God. We need help from God and others. We can't do it alone. But often there's no confessing. This, we don't see this need for others in our life to help us in this healing process. And, you know, I thought, why? Um, I, mean, I mean, just personally thinking, well, the first reason is shame. Um, you can be ashamed of your sin. Why do I still struggle with this? Ashamed people will think of, this, think of us less. I have an image to betray in my group. I need to upkeep, and if I fail, they will see me as someone less. This religious pride of need, and needing to hide it, or pride in what we... Um, we think others are, sorry, yeah, this religious pride and thinking we need to hide it. You know, or we struggle with pride and that we don't think others can help or understand what we're going through. You know, I can easily think, you know, whatever it may be, I'm a more mature Christian, they wouldn't understand, or this person is in my situation, they haven't experienced the things I'm going through, they don't know how to help me, um, and therefore we don't confess. And this uh, kind of shame and pride in not confessing, I think, comes from a lack of prayer with God and understanding of him. If we send time in the presence you know, of a holy and perfect king, 
the more and more we see ourselves and the more it should push us to our knees. The more we see our ugliness and sin. And as we see it more and more, the, the pride and shame we have you know, with others will die. Being in God's presence more should in fact inspire us to confess to others because if we don't care about their opinion, you know, all that matters to us is we just want healing. And what other way to receive healing is petitioning the God of the universe to help you through your healing and asking others to petition God in that way as well to help you through that healing. Hmm. You know, and I think also from the receiving end, those receiving confession, often we think the best thing we can do for people is give them some good advice or a taste of our vast knowledge. But we get too carried away in this. Really what we really need to be doing is praying for people because it's trusting in God's providence and wisdom for helping them and not our own attempts to help them in what we think is right for them. Don't get me wrong, I think providing advice and encouragement to people is needed, but it's not the most important. What we need to be doing is praying. So how often are you praying for those around you, especially those who confess? I forget sometimes. Another important thing to understand about our prayers is in highlighted in verse 16, is what we think of as an effective prayer. If I have the whole church and elders praying over my ACL, I just tore my ACL in soccer, so I need prayer, please. I need help. And it doesn't heal, does that make my prayer ineffective? Or I've confessed my sin, but still not growing in this area of my life, you know, is again prayer ineffective? And I think this stems from our idea of effectiveness. You know, isn't, um, our, yeah, our idea of effectiveness isn't always God's idea of effectiveness. God has plans we know nothing of. And our prayer may be effective, but not in the way, or in a way that is beyond our own understanding. You know, Elijah prayed for the rain to stop, which is extremely effective. The rain stopped. But, you know, what did his prayer cause? It caused famine and drought. The poor became poor with their widows. And what is, he, is that saying, you know, God is, you know, I guess, I, it's not a good thing. And how effective was a drought or famine? How effective was that in ushering in God's plan? But then, unfortunately, we get the bigger picture, and we get to see that, you know, this famine or drought helped Israel repent of their sin and turn to God. So I think we need to understand, you know, our idea of effectiveness is different from God's. And so to summarize the point, you know, why do we pray? We should pray for healing with trust. God will help us according to his plan and providence, and not only for our own healing, but for those around us as well. Amen. All right. Now we'll move into the third point, how we should pray. So there are many different ways to pray, and the Bible is you know, full of many different prayers and lament um, and praise for God. But I think James is challenging us in, you know, I guess one way or one focus, and that is to pray faithfully. In chapter 1, he talks about not being double-minded in our prayers. In chapter 4, he says they pray with, or we pray with wrong motives. Here he talks about a faithful prayer is what really heals a person. You know, it's faith. The short answer of why, how we should pray is faith. And this is quite ironic because James often gets criticized, you know, by Martin Luther and others for being, you know, too much work-based work faith. Um, yet, you know, in these passages and so many others, he's encouraging us, we need to grow in our faithfulness. 
faith is important to emphasize because it teaches us to be reliant on God. Elijah was just a man, yet he didn't rely on his own strength, but on the power and effectiveness of God's works. He is explaining this idea that a righteous man's prayer is powerful and effective because he trusts in God and his power and not his own. So if James describes Elijah as righteous and that his prayer was effective, um, why does Elijah need to pray fervently? You know, if, if Elijah was a righteous man, what he was praying for had the purpose of helping God and his kingdom and people turning to God. You know, why is he still having to, like, battle and pray fervently in prayer? You know, even that word fervently, the Greek actually says he prayerfully prayed. He prayed a lot, put simply. Um, and I think a, neat, uh, a fervent mindset towards praying, um, or we need one because, or we need a fervent mindset towards praying because it helps us acknowledge it's God's working, not us. It takes prayer after prayer because it is teaching our hearts to be more and more reliant on God and his healing, not our own. And it's not our plans we are praying for. It is God's. It helps us to surrender because it helps us to refocus on, you know, what's important, God's, uh, God's providence. And in this, I want to say it's still important to take our complaints and laments to God and express um, our hearts to him, you know, what's really going on. Um, as we discussed earlier, God desires this relationship with us, and relationships get messy, so you expect some, um, some conflict and some complaints. And God wants to hear our hearts, um, but more than that, he wants our hearts to also be reconciled to him. And that's another purpose of prayer that is demonstrated so many times throughout Psalms, um, you know, you get an angry man praying and complaining to God about injustice, suffering, and pain. But almost every prayer ends with a refocus on who is important and trusts that, you know, God is in control. Almost any psalm you look at, it's that. It's this complaint and then this, or praise, and then it ultimately ends in this, um, like, praise and excitement and um, honor of who God is. Um, yeah, so to quickly summarize, you know, we should be praying in all circumstances because it helps us understand our relationship with God is not about what he gives us, but about who he is. And in that, it should generate great frequency in our prayers. We should pray for healing with trust. God will heal us according to his plan and providence, and not only for our own healing, but also for those around us as well. And we should pray for and we should pray faithfully and frequently because it teaches us to surrender and have faith in God. And I don't really, <laughs> the last couple verses are interesting. Um, I, I've read, uh, yeah, it kind of just functions as a PS at the end of a letter, right? Like, by the way, here's this. Um, but I think if we were to connect it, um, you know, he's kind of giving this one last piece of advice or wisdom. But I think it's a great practical way, you know, we can apply, you know, what he's just gone over with us about prayers. You know, it's, um, first of all, it's important to remember that, you know, God still has incredible love for those who have wandered. We're talking about, you know, the verses um, 19 to 20, I think it is. Um, I'll just read it again to refresh because I need to refresh myself as well. Hang on. My Bible's not open yet. 
All right, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And as I said, you know, it's important to remember that God has still incredible love for those who have wandered. He hasn't left them, and neither should we. We can support those who have wandered in our prayers in, you know, our frequency of prayers towards them, you know, for their healing, you know, the why we pray, and that we trust God is working to bring them back. We have that faith in God. But I think that wanders, you know, can also apply just as much to us in the church as well. You know, after going through James together, it's easy to understand how we can so easily wander from the truth. And this last passage reemphasized that in order to see and refocus on what is true, we need each other's prayers and involvement in our life to pull the wanderer, or, you know, just as much us in this room, back into faith and um, relationship with God. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a good passage, and that's about it. For I know it's a little short, but yeah, ultimately we need to. I think it's trying to reemphasize this point of we need to pray faithfully and trust in God and surrender in what He has and what He's doing for us. So I'm just gonna pray, and then um, we'll do one last song. I think. So. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you, as a church, we can just join and go over your word a little bit more. Um, yeah, I'm just grateful that we even have prayer and that we can come and communicate with you and be in relationship with you, God. And um, I'm just grateful for the other things and all the other reasons we have to give you joy as well, Lord. You know, your son, the the Bible, um, the church, and your spirit, God, are just incredible ways you help us see and understand you better, God. And I just pray in our prayers we can really... Um, yeah, just fight, fight for, you know, just just to understand you more and more, and we can um, be more frequent in our prayers, be more grateful for what you have really given us, and um, to see, you know, really pray for others' healings as well, and to know, um, yeah, it's you who's going to help and heal and take care of those people, and so I'll just pray for this. <laughs> thank you for this lesson, and uh, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.